You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. This week, my guest is Gloria Beth Amadio. She's the author of God's Ex-Girlfriend, a memoir about loving and leaving the evangelical Jesus. We discuss proselytizing the word of Jesus to heathens on the beach. The lengths we go to to not be like our parents. How she met her husband online dating. How long they waited to have sex. And so much more. Hi, I'm Gloria Beth Amadeo and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Gloria Beth Amadeo. She's the author of God's Ex-Girlfriend a memoir about loving and leaving the evangelical Jesus. Beth, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Tony? I'm doing good. I'm so happy to talk to you because I've always wanted to know who God was dating. <laughs> yep, it was me and probably a lot of other people at the time, too. Really? Is the, yeah. So he's like totally polyamorous. He doesn't even yeah, care. Yeah, he's a little, he's a little poly. He doesn't, right. want, he doesn't want you to know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, the title's just so fantastic. It's what it's great. Awesome. How, how do you how do, so how do you um how do you break up with God? Well, you know that's that's a uh, that's a very hard question to just ask because I'm sure there's a long arc to it. But but what's yeah. the first thing where you're like, you know what? I I really think we need to break up. You do not put the the cap on the toothpaste. <laughs> I think it was just that I was miserable in this relationship like in this relationship with Jesus I was just completely like lost and I felt sick to my stomach all the time and I got to a point where well for a long time I blamed it on everything else that was happening in my life Mm -hmm. I was like oh it's because I am just not doing this Christianity thing right Right. it's because I keep falling for people that are not evangelical and in the evangelical world it's like a no-no to Mm -hmm. date outside of the fold it's known as missionary dating oh, and i know that all too well yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah most evangelicals are not cool with missionary dating and mm-hmm. uh but i just kept like you know just like finding myself wanting things outside of what evangelicalism said was okay and i thought that that was the problem i thought that i was killing myself and that i was sort of in this spiritual death and that's why i felt sick all the time and that's why like i couldn't keep food down at times and right. that's what and that's what and that makes so much sense because i i think people don't understand who haven't believed they you know they they just think oh you left of course you left because it's you know it's it's false and she's like no no you don't understand we believed with all our heart so mm-hmm. that so when there's a problem the problem is because we're screwing up with god yeah uh-huh. <laughs> and that's it exactly. there's it's just like it's raining today it's yeah, like yeah. that factual so yeah exactly like the these especially these fundamentalist faith systems sort of like all start with the premise that like you are sick apart from the fundamentalist faith system and that you are like not okay apart from it so every time you and because it starts with that premise it sort of like becomes a circular thought pattern where you feel like if you're not okay it's because you're not believing right like right. and that is so i mean it's really powerful and it kept me in it for like a number of years because I had that hope that, you know, I went into the whole faith system not feeling right. And I mm-hmm. had this hope that it would make me feel better if I just did it right. So like if I just mm-hmm. like 
you know, got up in the morning and did my like Bible study time, my quiet time as they yeah. called it. You know, if I just like, which you know, sometimes, I mean, it, because if you sit there and wake up in the morning and you, it's known that meditation will like extend your longevity. It's cool to meditate, to meditate on the parables of Jesus. Cause some of those parables are really good. So there, mm-hmm. so there's goodness in it too. It's so, it, it's just like, it messes. It's just like, oh wait, this is working. And it's just not, it's not working because we're in the religion or in the sect it's working because it's actually a universal truth kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, and that is, and I think that that's the other thing that's so weird about evangelicalism as well is there are certain, and that's kind of how they draw you in, like in terms Mm -hmm. of like, I think that more people, like I'll say this now, I think that more people are uh, vulnerable to fundamentalist conversion than they realize, or than Mm -hmm. we realize before, like, because like we all have certain vulnerabilities and, evangelicals are very uh and, and fundamentalist faith systems especially evangelicals are very good at tapping into those vulnerabilities like particularly when it's like you know they're uh particularly when they have like people that are going out like who are like you like i wasn't i say this in the book i was like i wasn't um a good target for like you know the christian lacrosse players association but i was a great target for like you know nerdy girls like me who liked the chronicles of narnia and the lord of the rings like you know it's like and that's ultimately like somebody who i could identify with and who like I saw like I liked who she was and I found like I, I saw a piece in her that I wanted like that made me like more a piece, a piece in who what, what who's the her in the, in the girl in the in the woman who ended up uh converting me ultimately okay. I sort okay. of saw like she had like a confidence that I didn't have like she sort of just and I, I explained this in the book but like it was like everything about her and the way she interacted with the world was like nothing mattered like nothing phased her nothing bothered Mm. her like somebody could have walked up right up to her and looked her in the face and said you're ugly like and she would have been like no I'm not God said I'm beautiful and walked right away like she had this like just sort of like blind uh faith and and extreme confidence Uh, it felt like as a result of her faith system and I wanted that so bad well it's sexy it's sexy to be that committed I mean it's there's 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 something that you know it's and that's where I mean that's where faith is kind of cool it's just it's it's not all black and white, you know. Yep. It's a, it's. I mean, I had to break free from a very a similar background, so it's just, and it was hard to do. But it's also like um, these people that were your mentors or people who like convert you. There, they have a. There's a sexiness in them where they're not bothered by um, <clears throat> the the so-called worldly things. But then in the yeah. end, I realized worldly things is just the human condition. Yeah. <laughs> we're all we're supposed to be miserable that's, that's yeah, yeah. The part. yeah 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 that's the no yeah that is the that's the fact of the matter like there's like there's certain things that are the human condition and also in like denying those aspects of your humanity like for me it just made me sick like again yeah. it just made me sick inside to be denying those aspects of my humanity and i i ultimately felt like i sort of like you know to go back to your question of like what made like what made me break up with God, what made me say like, you know, this is it, like, was just the fact that like, I realized that what I was missing in my life, what I was giving up for this faith system, it wasn't worth it anymore. Like I was literally giving this faith system my life. And it was yeah. like, I realized eventually that was too high of a price. And that's like the ultimate blasphemy for evangelicalism to say like, right. what I'm you cost too much. Like, because then it's like, this faith is worth your life. Like you give your life to Jesus because Jesus yes. gave his life to you, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And like, eventually I was just like, 
you don't deserve my life. Like my life is like still too valuable. Like whatever I have. That's a, and that's a, and I, that's a huge thing to say to Mm -hmm. essentially Jesus is you don't deserve my life. So what, so, I mean, I think, well, let, tell me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of the end of um, a very large arc to get for you to leave. Right. I mean, that you just don't, there's no way to smash cut from, Oh, I'm feeling sick. You know what? Jesus is out. It, it yeah, doesn't. Yeah. It's what was the first thing where you're where it pinged you? What was the first thing that kind of made you sick? And you're like, wait a second, but you didn't. But you didn't question yet. You're just like, oh, I got to get right with God. Yeah, yeah. So it was actually um, a weird experience where I had. Uh, and again, I talk about this in the book. It was when you have I a book? was. Oh yeah, I do have a book. Did okay, you, did cool. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, Let's I talk have, about yeah. this here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'll talk about. I'll talk about it out loud. So there was a moment where there was a essentially like I was invited to a birthday party, and it was at this bar. And at this point, I had been living in New York City for nine months, and I had just come off of this like really like whole brain enveloping like missions trip. It was probably the most indoctrinated I had ever been, where mm-hmm. I was living with forty other evangelical young people like me and I was going out on the beach and I was trying to convert people and you know there's something that's very like you know when you're trying when you're going up to people and you're missionary you're, you're, you're evangelizing you're doing missions work from like you know an initiative standpoint you're going up to them with a track booklet it's mm-hmm. such a humiliating experience that it really makes you like sort of it brings you deeper into it because you're doing things that are just kind of like uh that that are really embarrassing and if you're the more you embarrass yourself, like for God, the the more you're going to believe in a way, because you're, you're just giving up like pieces of yourself. You're giving up. And and you're together with so many other people who are doing the same thing. So there's the persecution Uh complex. It's like, wait, am I humiliating myself or are these people heathens? And I need to stick closer to my, to my group. To my people. And you feel so safe with those people because they're doing the same thing with you. So I came off that mission strip more indoctrinated than I'd ever been. And then I moved to New York city. And then all of a sudden I'm in this grad school program uh, at the new school with all of these, you know, I talk about heathens. I was just like, these people like worship Jack Kerouac and I worship the God of the Bible. Like what the heck, you know, it's like, I just thought it was <laughs> the God of so- beats is going to get taken down. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, how could you like, you know, it's like love these other books like more than like a book that was written by God himself. Like I was just so indoctrinated. I just couldn't. And at the same time, you were you are very educated, so you know who Jack Kerouac is. Have you yeah. did you read Jack Kerouac's work? You, oh yeah. Know that? I had read so you, Jack you, you, had, you were exposed to all of it yeah. and you still uh-huh. said, No, no, it's God over here. You gotta yeah, stop. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I cool. thought everything as just like, you know, I thought everything is like these books were coming from broken people. Like I didn't yeah. read. Well, they exactly. are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's not, I wasn't saying anything wrong. And yeah. And again, I could have said that to a non-evangelical and they would have been like, oh yeah, Jack Kerouac, he was so screwed up. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, nobody would have questioned that. Like and nobody would have questioned like, you know, the ways in which like the writers that we were reading, like were flawed, you know? Yeah. So it's like, already like, you know, it's like, and that was almost a part of their writing was the fact that they were flawed and their writing wasn't perfect because they weren't perfect people. So like, and that's why we connect because yeah. they're talking to us. Cause we're all, we all have our inner wounds yeah, and yeah. it's, that's, that's the yeah. connection of all of this. 
Yeah. But I was like, these people can't give me the answers that the Bible does. You know, it's like, right. and I like the Bible gave me these answers. So the Bible was like superior. Yeah. But then like, I'm in New York city and I'm like, you know, nine months there. And I am just so lonely. Like, I'm just like, I'm not with my tribe of like 40 other young adults, like, you know, who are, who have accepted Jesus as Lord and savior. Like I was just like, and I, and I'm just like, you know, in this world where I just feel so like, I, I just felt so isolated in a way, even though I was going to a church, they were all also, I was like 20, I, I was like 23, 24 at this time. And I was at this church and they were all like in their like thirties. They were like all these like sassy sort of like, you know, uh, sleek New York city women who were believers. They, they were evangelical, but you know, they weren't like almost as like, th- there was an air of innocence. I think about me that they didn't have about them. And I just couldn't fully like, you know, they weren't as, they weren't as hardcore almost as I was after coming off this missions trip. So I just felt like a, very alone, but that yeah. also led me to feeling like, you know, I, I think because we're social creatures as human beings, that led me to wanting to find connections with other people. And and then I went to this uh, birthday party that I had been invited to from a guy who was in. So these, so these were, so these were heathens at the birthday party that you were, yep, that you were going to. Okay. Heathens at the birthday party that I was going to, but I knew them and I had read their writing and they were like, I was getting like becoming friends with them. Because um, you were in the same classes and workshopping work, is that what? You, yeah, okay. yeah, we were in the same class and workshopping work, and so that's that's how I knew them. And so then this one person, I met this one person, like you know, let's call him Robert, who I had not, uh, you know, what's I his real name? Or... No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, if I can only tell you, uh, yeah. Robert, uh, sort of like he was like just kind of flirting with me, and it was something that I hadn't like, and he was sexy. That. Yeah, was yeah there was something very sexy about it. And, and yeah. I, I hadn't allowed anybody, I hadn't allowed myself to get close enough to anybody at that point in time to have them flirt with me. But like, because of that, it just felt so nice. Like, it was just like, oh my God, somebody's like giving me like attention in this way right. that like I want, but I've been depriving Seeing myself. you as a woman, seeing you yeah. as a, a woman, that is how yeah. you're supposed to be seen. Yeah. And desirable. Yeah. Yeah. And that was something that was really hard in the evangelical church for me is that I was very, uh, I don't think that I was the kind of woman that a lot of the guys liked. Like, first of all, I hadn't grown up in evangelicalism. So I was already kind of weird, like, because right. I had converted later on in life. Like, so they kind of like, I think that. But, they are- but at the same time, it, what the converts come in, aren't the guys kind of going, oh, we got some new meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. could be, they could yeah. be, but I felt, I felt like they all just found me like, because that's the other thing. Like I like, wasn't very, like, I didn't very blindly follow. I asked a lot of questions. Like I, I tried to be like, I was very thoughtful about it. Cause I knew what I was giving up. Like I knew that I was not, uh, I knew that this was not small potatoes. Like, and so, and so like, uh, uh, um, just, so what were you giving up? What, what was your life before the evangelicals? What was, what was party girl heathen? <laughs> well, party girl heathen was actually a very scared person. Like okay. I was incredibly scared of the world around me. I had grown up in a home where I had seen a parent have addiction issues. Like, mm-hmm. and because of it, I think I was very afraid of losing control in any way, shape or form. So I yeah. was like afraid of drugs. I was afraid of drinking. I was sort of a, the, what the word back then was straight edge. Like I was like, no drugs, no drinking. Yeah. That stuff. Like minor I threat, saw- Fugazi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was just terrified of all of that stuff. I thought that that would hurt me ultimately and it was like I was well it does but yeah, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> like smoking a little weed like you know it's like 
like not the end of the world. It's fine. Right, like, right. but back, but to me, like back then, like anything that would alter my state of mind in the way that I saw it altering my parent, the, the the parent state of mind was like sort of like terrifying to me. And I didn't want to. I just felt like I didn't have an example of adulthood. That where were you? Was- where were you living when you grew up? I grew up in Massachusetts in a little oh. town called Southbridge. Yeah. 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 Baby town. Um, and when, and were your what were your parents' beliefs? Were they were they uh, Christian or was they there a- were so they were I would say I grew up in a Catholic church but it was a very progressive Catholic church. Uh-huh. My parents were both pretty progressive. Like my Catholic church uh-huh. gave communion to gay people. I yeah. didn't even know that was a bad thing. Like you know, according to Catholic standards, I have no, I had no idea. Like you know, it was just like something that I like had grown up with. Like it was right. like. Uh, and so, and my mom, like my mom was very progressive, like, and my father was in many ways as well. Like, and so I just, you know, like, but, but at the same time, like they, they didn't like buy into like, you know, it's like hardcore Catholic theology. Yeah. Like they weren't indoctrinated people at all. They were not fundamentalists. And even when I was growing up, you know, I had had a few brushes with like fundamentalists. Like when I was like five, like this girl had tried to like, you know, this girl in my dance class had tried to convert me. I like went to her like a uh, Sunday school thing and they were all just like, God thinks we deserve to die. And I was like terrified. And my mom was like, <laughs> God doesn't think you deserve to die. It's fine. Like, you know, don't, right. we don't believe those things in our house. And when I was a teenager, I had some people come at, like, that was like, my husband always talks about it. He's like, people were just always coming after you. They were just like, like trying to pick you up right off the tree and and i resisted it for well maybe years. maybe they saw something in you that they felt was kind of powerful that they kind of want you on their team in a way i think so i think i think ultimately what they saw was like an, a level of open-mindedness mm-hmm. that like because i was just very and, and to this day like i'm still very like interested in everything <laughs> like mm-hmm. and like And I think that like they saw in me like a level of open mindedness and someone like who was going to like listen to them and hear them out and really consider instead of just hearing, oh, evangelical Christian, I'm just going to like, you know, it's like shut my brain off to you. Like, I didn't shut my brain off to anyone. I heard everyone out like, but I did like, again, like I was trying to like, you know, sort of like form my opinion of the world around me and like what was good and what was bad. And I think they were trying to come in and have their say and argue their case with me. Um, And so, uh, and, and then, uh, yeah, eventually in college. And then what do your parents do when you, they find out you converted? Oh, they were not happy. <laughs> yeah. Were you, did you try to convert them? Were you, were oh, you yeah. like worried? Oh, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent tried to convert them. I tried to convert yeah. them. I tried to convert my sister. I have two sisters and a brother. I tried to convert yeah. them. I tried to convert everybody. I tried yeah. to convert all of my friends growing up. Like, you know, I, I tried to convert everybody when I went to the new school, I tried to convert everybody. And a lot of it was like, also, like I, evangelicalism does have a natural like conversion and missions element to it, but mm-hmm. I the, the organization that converted me was a group called Campus Crusade for Christ, yeah. and they are international massive. Uh, they're known as a parachurch organization. So the way that they work is they basically like are a large overarching structure. They go into college campuses. They're like present in like you know it's like all different sorts sects of like American life and inter international life. Like they they have like you know like crew military like they have Mm -hmm. like all all sorts of they have their hand in like you know all all areas like and what they do is they oh go ahead they convert people and then they funnel them into smaller churches so basically they're just like a evangelicalism someone once described it to me this way and i was like this is exactly what it is it's a well-oiled machine right and 
Campus Food Paper Christ isn't the only paratorial organization that operates on college campuses or like, you know, in other sects of American life. There's like the Navigators, there's InterVarsity, there's Young Life. Like there's all of these organizations. And they got great all- team names. I mean, those sound fun. I want to play. I know, right? Well, and that's the thing. They're also quite fun, like for young yeah. people. Like I went into Campus Crusade for Christ and I was like skeptical and didn't really know what I was getting involved in. But I saw like a bunch of really hot people on stage singing and in yeah. great clothes yeah. and like playing Oh yeah, like, I'm in. Bono. It was a rock concert. It was a rock concert. Like, you yeah. know, all the time. And also, and I was just like, again, I was already questioning like how yeah. to have a healthy adult life. And part of yeah. that for me was like finding a partner who like, you know, in my life who would, uh, you know, it's like be like, you know, sort of operate in a healthier way than I saw things happening in my home life. And yeah. I saw like in Campus Crusade, like there were all of these adult staff members and they were the ones who like ran the show and they were all like married and had these great kids. And they all seemed so honestly, like compared to what I had grown up with, they just seemed so normal and healthy and structured and like and, and I wanted that like I yeah. wanted who it's like who doesn't who doesn't want that yeah. that's that's I mean that just that makes so much sense so mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it made a lot of sense to me at the time. what did your family do when you were trying to convert them was it was, was there a point where they were just like was did any of them go look we can't even talk to you anymore until you get out of this or no my family you know literally like they are so patient <laughs> Like for, for with they're me. open-minded that's where they you are from. Very, they're like they well are. No, that's your thing you, you they do are, the they, kind of but they were really also very worried about me my father was very worried about me he did not like that I was involved in it my mother did not like that I was involved in it um my sisters like uh you know were both and and my brother my brother was I think probably the most open-minded out of everybody and that he wasn't completely shutting me down but he also wasn't totally like buying into it but like one of my sisters I tried real hard to convert her and I was like she was they're both younger than me and so they both like really looked up to me and like and I was taking her to this church in Massachusetts on my son in my winter breaks and she just they were real hellfire and brimstone at a few uh, of the services and she was just like I don't want to go here anymore they're scaring me I don't like this you know but yeah. she also saw like the adults in the church and the healthy families and she yep. looked at it and also felt attracted to it too she looked at it and she was just like I wish we grew up this normal you know it's like there was something so normal about it compared to the way that we had grown up in. and it's a facade like, though when you kind of mm-hmm. dig it I mean especially the most normal happy people like the most normal happy families families i have found there's always something and it and usually it's really bad it's like like amazingly bad or or when it does break down it breaks down in such a horrific way i mean even like the congregation i grew up in there was a kid who um when he was uh 18 he murdered his mom dad and his brother and it's just like and there was uh there was a another guy that i grew up with that me and him were friends he murdered a guy when he was going, he left the Jehovah's Witnesses and came back. He mm-hmm. murdered a guy when he came back and he's in a mm-hmm. detention facility there. It's just like, and it looks like from the outside, this everything's going great. And then it's a snap and it's just like, no, it can't be that great. It's there's, yeah. that's, that's a lie. You know? Yeah, it it is, and and I remember also. I know we're going all over the place, but I remember also. Yeah, no, that's what we do. We go all. Yeah, over. that's what we do. They, yeah. they just make me think of so many things. There was a time where, uh, when I was in the church in New York City, I remember. Um, 
uh, it was like a newly married couple, the wife saying to me, you know, I just don't understand how like, you know, secular couples do it. Like their marriages, like they don't fight as much as my husband and I do. Like, it's like, I don't know how they like, how they do it. She was, she always said, and it, this was a very common saying in evangelicalism, marriage is hard. They always said marriage is hard. Marriage is so, so hard. Like, and now like, you know, that I'm like, you know, I've been married now for like, you know, almost four years. Is it hard? <laughs> I've been not in the way that it was for them. Like, I mean, we have like, you know, it's like, you know, other yeah. stuff going on now. We have yeah. kids and everything like that. But like it's and and I guess that like having small children is is difficult. But like I like we are on the same team. Like we understand yeah. each other. We have room for each other to be like, you know, messed up and like and I I don't know. It's like we and also we knew each other so well before we got married and there was none of this like god's telling me this or god's telling me that nonsense and there was also no like within evangelicalism there's you know the women are husbands and wife you have the husband and wife dynamic and right. the wife is supposed to submit to her husband yep, the husband is head of the household jesus yep. is head of the yeah yeah exactly yeah well but, um stuff. Yeah. So, so you get out and then how do you meet, how do you meet this amazing guy? Like, like what <laughs> happens when you, when you find your husband? Well, when I, find when you first met him, when you first met him. Oh God. Well, I kind of, I, I think I knew we met, def- we met on the, on the internet. We met on OkCupid. OkCupid. Damn it. Stop saying that. You know why? Cause like so many people have success and my success has just been <laughs> nil on it. And then, and then people get my hopes up and they're like, no, you got to go back on there. And then you know, I married my lovely wife and I'm like, really? How does that happen? And it happens. And it's just, and it's lovely. And you know, I would love yeah. to, be to find my next wife on the, you know, wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Anyway, so so we were, you, we were pretty lucky in that in that that regard. But yeah, so, so where I, was so was this in New York or where were you? This was in New York. So so <sighs> kind of the story of meeting him also goes to like I was probably about like a year out of evangelicalism, okay. which is a very good thing. <laughs> like, because well, at the same I, time, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I need I needed some time to process, and I actually yeah. when I first got out of evangelicalism, I immediately got into a relationship with someone else like my first like actual like relationship outside of evangelicalism and it was also the first time i had ever had sex and so i was like 26 whoa. years old oh whoa, whoa, whoa. okay so you so you were oh okay oh that i was i was a virgin until i got married and i got married okay. at 25 yeah so i know okay. exactly all of this yeah oh, all wow. of that so yeah. when so the first time you have sex after being evangelical did you did you feel guilty were there were there twinges of guilt Oh my God. Massive twinges of guilt. Massive. Like to the point where, so I had this like underlying feeling. Like I think I had gotten like one UTI like after it. And then, and then every time I had sex after that, I thought I had a UTI and I kept going to the, uh, to, to the urgent care and being like, I have a UTI, everything's burning. And they were just like, okay, we'll give you some antibiotics. And they do a test and they'd be like, you don't have a UTI. And I was like, really, how do I not have a UTI? I ended up in like, a um, like, uh, what was it called? A urologist's office, like being like, I swear to God, like something's wrong down here. And they were just like, uh, nothing's wrong down here, but here's like some old people medicine for people who feel like they frequently have to urinate and I was like what's going on and then finally I talked to I I talked to a friend and she just said to me do you think that maybe you feel really like guilty about having sex and you feel like you've done something wrong and like immediately the second she said that to me it's like my brain something snapped in my brain and that bad feeling of feeling like I had to pee all the time or I had a UTI just went away immediately wow 
Like wow. I had like the, the brain, the mind is so powerful. And even though I had left the face system and yep. at that point, well, I was probably a good, like, you know, four to six months out of it. And I was like, I'm, I'm never going back. I don't believe in this anymore. It didn't matter. Like it was still so yeah. deeply ingrained in like the gray matter of my brain that like this was wrong. And it really screwed. It really screwed with me. Like, and yeah. So then like I was in this like awful relation and this guy was not like the thing. The other thing was, is like, I got out of evangelicalism. So it's not like I really like knew what a healthy relationship looked like, or like, like I was with this yeah. person who in some ways was the opposite of everything that evangelicalism would have wanted for me. Like he was super crass. He was not like a very, he wasn't a good boy, but in many mm -hmm. ways he was very much like, the everything that evangelicalism wanted me because he was or, or wanted him to be because he was very uh he was very like toxic like in terms of his own masculinity he was just more outward about it than they mm -hmm. ever were like they were just sort of like inwardly toxic and tried to hide it he was just very obviously toxic and so there was something that felt very familiar about him and something that felt very foreign too and so i was just really confused like it was just a very so how do you how do you how do you realize that this is the wrong i mean after being after being spun around with belief systems and with your parents before the belief systems how do you realize that this relationship is not working um well it sort of happened when he started to really scare me he would like like one time I said like I forgot my birth control at his house one time and I was like oh don't want to get pregnant and he was like if you ever got pregnant I'd throw you down the stairs and I was like what Whoa. and he was like not joking and then one time like he like you know it's like I woke up in the morning and we were talking and like wrestling and joking around and then he just held a pillow over my head like for way too long yeah. to the point where I was struggling to breathe and I knew that I was like, I, I found something just unhinged about him, like the longer yeah. we dated. Um, but he eventually ended up breaking up with me, which I'm very. Oh, thank yeah, God. So, yeah. I'm so thank glad Jesus to... Christ, our savior and Lord. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just didn't, I don't think I had it like, like really, like I didn't at that point in time, I was just so like committed to trying to make this work. Cause I felt like it was my first relationship out of evangelicalism. It was my first time ever having sex. I wanted to, this prove is the guy that a marriage this could work. Guy. Yep. It was fine. But also in some way I felt tied to him because I had had sex with him. So it yeah. was still the toxic theology happening. And so I just didn't feel like I could get out of this situation. And but at the same time, it's there's the toxic theology, but also when you're intimate with a person, there is something strong. Mm -hmm. that, so it, it, it's, you know, it's, I don't feel like it's just the theology. I feel like it's also the human condition that yeah. when you have sex with someone, there's, it, it's, it's, everything's different. Yeah. And when you and it's just like and you're in a relationship and everything's different and you and you want that you want everything to work you know and I, I this I say this is because I've been in a few of those where mm -hmm. I'm like I want it all to work yeah. it's just, we did the thing yeah, we yeah, did yeah. the uh -huh. thing it's supposed yeah, yeah, yeah. to work now right yeah uh huh yeah why and why isn't this working now and why yeah. and why aren't you the right person for this to work with or even a healthy person period like yeah. after that relationship ended i was like this guy should have like the tattoo on his forehead that's just like don't date me like there's someone like <laughs> with this person. isn't like, it isn't it great to have wisdom though when those because did you when when you guys broke up were you heartbroken 
oh my god so heartbroken i sobbed in new york city i was so so sad yeah but then at the same time i also knew in the back of my head i was like this was not a healthy relationship he like denigrated me like physically emotionally he called me stupid multiple times like there was like something like not right here like and i knew that but still it's like just the fact that like i had given so much to it and again kind of humiliated myself by allowing him to speak to me like that like just it was just so hard to let go of it into and also like to feel like because he was so like nasty in me and then even just breaking up with me that was like a pride thing too it was just like oh. what am i not desirable enough right wrong with me at this person right is there me? any like, is 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 he the last one is anyone yeah. else ever going to you know is anyone else going is you know is the next intimacy going to just feel empty it's mm-hmm. there's so much going on and yeah, yeah. especially when it's your first and you were in the belief system and you mm-hmm. wanted it to work so bad. It's, yeah. it makes so much sense, but isn't it, the, this is where I've like the, the, just the utter sorrow and the other awfulness of like things of like breaking up. Cause I went through a really messy divorce yeah. <clears throat> and I was married to a Jehovah's witness. So, but oh, the, okay. but the messiness of it is like later, it's gratitude and it's so much learning because if someone says, if you ever get pregnant, I'm going to throw you down a flight of stairs, you know, that you get, you, you drop the keys right there and you just yeah. walk away. You don't even yep. say another word. You're like out the door, changing yeah. your phone number. And yep. that's it. Goodbye. And that yeah. did, that did aid me. Well, so first of all, what was very good and where I felt like I had really grown up was when he broke up with me and I walked down the stairs, I took one look back at him at the top of the stairs. And then I went out to the Uber and I never, ever looked back. I never tried to contact him again. I never, emailed him. I never, he like one time sent like a weird email to like me and a bunch of other friends. And I was very clearly on the email. He like had to reply all to a birthday party invitation. It was like me and five other people. I was like, he's trying to talk to me again yeah. in some weird way. And I was like, and I didn't take the bait. I was like, Mm-mm, we're, we are never talking again. I am, wow. you are, will never be in my life. Like, no. And that was the first like time where I was like, okay, I've, I've hit a new level of adulthood in that yeah. I will never like let somebody talk to me like that again. And then, that, yeah. And that's when I first started to get onto like, okay, Cupid and started online dating. Like, and mm-hmm. I was just like, sort of like, I, and I, I had this like idea in my mind where I was like, I don't know what the person I want to be with is like, I don't know who they are, but I do know the two words that really stuck out to me is I want somebody who is compassionate and I want somebody who is empathetic. Like those are the two words that, like, I just those are the two words. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 on these dating apps, people are, you know, they're just like, uh, that you know, it's just so strange how, like, you know, I'm, you know, women reset, uh, how they present themselves, and it's just like their first shot to bikini with their six pack abs, and I'm all, oh, <laughs> what? So that's, that's, that's what you want me is your first impression. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a fella. So I go, Ooh, but at the same time, that's not relationship material. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and when I like was on these apps, I also was, you know, not like jumping for every guy with a picture of the tiger or like, you know, anybody (laughs) like, you know, know, large sea bass in their hands. Like I I was, was (laughs) I was thinking of doing a photo where I sit in front of my Honda, my 2007 Honda Accord, Uh you know, just like, just, but like, 
squat next to it like yeah. guys do you know <laughs> just like this car man yeah Look yeah car. yeah it I gets good gas that. mileage and it gets me place to place <laughs> yeah yeah i wasn't into that i was more just like you know it's like who are the people who like i don't know like it's like when i would read their profiles i i was like sort of like who are the people who have like similar interests to yeah. me in terms of like movies and books and tv or whatever like you know just lifestyle whatever but also like who do i feel like could like really be like a good person like yeah like and I could also find attractive and so I was like very like when I and and then I instituted this thing where I started going out on dates with people and I I had like one like really gnarly date where the person was like I don't know he was just like kind of like mean to me but I had got he was just like weird and then I got in there and he had already been there and then he bought me a drink and then he like said a couple mean things and then ordered a charcuterie plate and I felt like I needed to stay even though I was like I don't need to stay but because oh, he was yeah. buying things I felt yeah. like I need to stay yeah. and then after that I, I would have like, gotten a to-go box I would have secretly yeah. just gotten a to-go box and go hey yeah, look over there and just in there put and it all in there yeah walk home yeah I'm it like, was it <laughs> It was, it felt very strange and like, it yeah. just like, and, and then I, what, what's one of the mean thing? Like what's, what's one mean thing that he said where you're just like, ding, not it, dude. So he kept talking. Oh, oh no. Actually the first thing was like, he was so weird. I said to him, like he was a psychotherapist. Uh -huh. um, and I said, so what made you want to become a psychotherapist? Like what was the journey that brought you to this career? And he goes, really? That's what you're going to ask. Uh, okay. And then he ended up. What? And I was like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> like, what the, 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 thing, the thing you've chosen to do with your life is is like, actually a very important question. Yeah, that, that's a totally normal question. Yes. To like, he acted like uh, I was like the weirdest person in the world for asking this, or yeah. like it was the lamest question ever. Yeah, you should have. Like, I would have just said, oh, no, I'm sorry. What's the other one? How long is your dick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> it's God. Like, yeah. <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then he said something like, I don't know, he was like talking to me. He was like starting to open up to me about his relationship with his father and his mom. But, and then like, the, he was just opening up to me. And so I thought like he was giving me permission to ask him. So I was just like, so do you still talk with your father? And he goes, I don't want to talk about that. Ew. Like, and I was just like, and then he ordered the charcuterie plate. And then I was like, I am uncomfortable, but I feel like I should stay because he's paying for everything. And I just feel weird. And I love I just that you feel like you. I feel. I feel. I love that you sang that. <laughs> that is rad. It was. It was inside of my. It was. It was. That was yeah. my heart. My heart was singing that at the moment. Like we're uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get out of this state. And so I instituted a rule after that. And I'm saying this on this podcast for everybody who is listening. I believe this is a really good rule to protect yourself on a date and also to not waste your time because yeah. I really valued my time. And that was an, another adult thing that was happening is that I was like, I would rather be reading a book at home than on a date oh. with someone I don't like. And I would so just rather be reading a book at home. You can stop there. <laughs> that's just that doing this stupid thing like <laughs> and so I was on this date and, and so basically I decided then what I'm going to do is I'm going to show up to every date 15 minutes early and I'm going to buy my own first drink with cash Ooh. and if after 30 minutes I do not like this person and I can't see myself like you know wanting to anything with them I'm going to say thank you very much for your time I have an early meeting tomorrow morning it was great meeting you bye and leave and then go home and read or watch a movie and do the things that I like to do because I value my time and I did interesting that. I so like three night three dates a week and i would just meet person 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 and be like mm, okay yeah. maybe okay. like and so it was really it was really efficient <laughs> that's really that's really interesting because them buying you with a drink is actually kind of a transaction that makes you feel like you're held 
there and kind of stuck. So it's, that's such an intriguing, um, what do you call it? Uh, kind of, it's like, it's all, it's almost like power in a way. Yeah. Uh It was a reversal. It was like, I was bringing the power back to myself. I was giving myself power back over the situation by doing that. And it made me feel just so much more comfortable to leave. Like, and I did, I did it a lot. Like, and then by the time I met the person I ended up marrying, um, I realized that I was probably going to, that, that I was really going to like him when I read his uh, okay Cupid profile. And it said something like, he said, I uh, hate um, needles and I especially hate bees because bees are flying needles. And just like when I read that, I was like, oh, I, I think I'm going to understand you. <laughs> like, I That's like, so cool. So you, yeah, you got it there. Yeah. yeah and then, right there so so yeah. what was your first date with uh, with him? What where, where did you guys go? And did you get your first drink without him paying? So no. So I ended up <gasps> I ended up accidentally very late to that first date. So and you I was, gave him the power and now you have was, kids. That's what happens, kids. This is what happens. This is what happens. Oh, the first day actually. So we went to a uh, to a bar in Brooklyn called the Way Station. I don't think it's actually open anymore, but it was a Doctor Who themed bar, and it had a giant. No way. The Doctor Who bar had what what neighborhood in Brooklyn was it? It was in a Prospect Heights. It was or it was like on. It was basically Prospect Heights, Crown Heights. Oh my god, I I love Doctor Who. I would I would have died to. I'm so mad I didn't go when it It was was open. Okay, such a cool bar, and it literally was he a Doctor Who fan too. Yeah, he liked Doctor Who. Like, and there's I just a had, lot like, there. Sci-fi that... and Lord of the Rings in my profile. So multiple guys were like, maybe we should go to this nerdy bar. And so he wasn't the first person to suggest that. And then okay. he, later on, he was like, you went on other dates there. I thought I was being so original. <laughs> and I was like, you were the best first date that I went on there. Oh, okay, you know, I went on a bunch of first oh. dates there, but you were the best one. And so I so it's first up... date with you guys at the at the Doctor Who. Yeah, at the Doctor Who bar. And I just felt like very, I, I don't know, like we basically, so we sat in this uh, booth that was a giant like horseshoe and I sat at one end of the horseshoe and he sat at the other end of the horseshoe. So we were like really far apart, but I just like, I just felt like a kindness from this person. Like, but also like, he was like really, really funny. Like he was genuinely making me laugh more than like anybody who I had gone out with in a while. Had that is everything. Laugh is everything he was like really really funny like and like and he also was just like like I could just tell there was like just such a sweetness about him Mm -hmm. and then we and he bought me a gin and tonic and I got it had a gin and tonic and then when he he got up and he so did you just get a wait hold on so we got it was it just a house gin and tonic or did you say Really? You so you bought house booze? You didn't go like I need a uh Bombay? No, no, but I didn't say I need a Bombay. Wow, okay, I, was okay. Like, I was like, just went, a, we, a well drink is wow. totally fine with All some right. wine. It's cool. Uh, it's cool. And Way Station was the kind of bar that would definitely just not even ask you what kind of gin you want. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> they were they were like down home, like kind of bar. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I like those so, bars. Yeah, it was really it was nice. And so then he he got up and he went to go get another one. He was like, Do you want another drink? And I was like, Yeah, sure. And then I just like grabbed his arm and I was like, You you can sit next to me when you come back and he goes oh okay oh. Really, you. And it was just so cute and then we ended up uh just so like- so he comes back with the two drinks and he sits next to you yeah, now 
now, when, now when you guys are sitting next to each other, is anything touching between you? Like, is an uh, arm there? Like, is, I was is, like, I was like turned towards him, and uh-huh. Steve was like, you know, kind of turned towards me a little bit. And yeah, there was like a little bit of touching, probably at like uh, the, oh, the knees. I, oh, that's yeah, yeah. But then as we we're talking, I just like, I don't know, like I was just having such a nice time with him, and I think I had just had just enough to drink that I felt really brave that I just like I was in the middle of a sentence. And then I just put my hand on his heart and I just kissed him. And that was like, and then the rest of the night we just made out. And then all of a sudden live music was playing. I don't even know when it started playing, but it was like live music. And this person was like, Jesus is a friend of mine. (laughs) And at that point I had told him that I was ex-evangelical and we were just like, what is happening? (laughs) Why are the Jesus people playing songs here? And I said to him, I was like, they follow me. I swear to God, they follow me. Jesus was telling you, you found the right guy. Jesus was hurt when you broke up. (laughs) <laughs> but, then, but you know, you know, like you get to know a person for a while, you know, who's right for the next, for the, on the next. Exactly. You're just like, you know, I'm glad Jesus was like, I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad you're happy. And that Did night, you I- know that night that this was probably going to be the guy you marry. Yeah. I knew really? that he was going to at least be my, I, I remember going to the bathroom and thinking in my head, I just met my next boyfriend. And wow. I, I just met my next boyfriend, but what I really felt was husband, but I was too afraid to say that. Wow. I was like too afraid to let myself go there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I knew I definitely. What a beautiful connection. It was, it was really beautiful. And it was. So what was your second date? Was it just like, I need to see it. Did you guys go home that night? Did you yeah. get, did you, you, oh, yeah. did you go to bed that night? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the way that I actually developed. So he was number, of- was he number two? No, he wasn't number two. There were okay. some others before that. Oh, good. You, you got to get the you got to get the dirty ones out of the, you got to get some to. dirty out of the way. And then I had you, to get yeah. some dirty out of the way. Yeah. No. And also, good. I had to like. I also felt like, and I had this very strong feeling where I, I hated the idea of it being like, oh, don't like have sex if you're a woman, don't have sex with the, like somebody on the first date or whatever, because then they're gonna think of you as like you're too easy, blah blah. And I was like, you know something? If I want to have sex with someone on the first date, I'm gonna have sex with them on the first date because if they're not gonna talk to me after that, then that tells me that I don't want to go out with them again, right. anyways. So I was like, yeah. when I want to have sex, I'll have sex. Like, and so that was well, like your like, body felt it too. So, yeah. so I mean, it was, it was, yeah. Wow. That's so great. Yeah. yeah. And that's how, and so I never was, uh, after I left evangelicalism and I sort of got over that sort of like, you know, ledge of feeling like, you know, being, having sex was wrong. I got to an extremely liber- liberated point where I was like, I do not want sex in any way to have anything to do with any sort of toxic masculinity. Like, and if somebody is going to do that, like, then that just tells me everything I need to know about them. And that I don't want to be with them anyway. So it's good for me actually to have sex on the first date and not feel like if I, like, if I don't want to have sex with them, or if I do want to have sex with them that I don't, because I'm trying to hold something out. Like, cause like at that point, it wasn't about like, it wasn't about meeting someone and getting into a relationship that was like, you know, I had to like, you know, hold on to, it was about meeting someone and getting into a relationship that was like genuine and healthy mm. and good. And that I didn't have to hold on to. That was like, I didn't have to put that effort into, I was done right. putting things, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. So that served me well, just having sex when I wanted to served me very well. I yeah. Say. Yeah. No, and it's and it's such a it it is also a huge indicator because our, our bodies tell us like like you're when you had when you were getting the UTIs that you thought there was mm-hmm. an issue. Our bodies tell us so much, so mm-hmm. intimacy tells us so much, and our and it's just like you know it it not all sex is great, and that's fine because yeah. all sex is kind of different when you're with a with different people, but it, mm-hmm. but at the same time 
it's like it's very the body's telling you if you're connected to this person or not in such yep. a huge way it's mm-hmm. it's it's there yep mm-hmm. yep and when it's there it's there and that and was, that's and it. was one of those nights when it was there and that was like you know and onward you know it's like it's been like and it was very healthy and liberating to do it my way and to do it on my terms and to not have uh, anybody because the other thing about evangelicalism was like I wasn't allowed to I you know I liked people I had crushes left and right like you know it's like and but I wasn't allowed to ask anybody out I wasn't uh, allowed to like you know pursue them because mm-hmm. the dude had to pursue the woman like yeah. you know that was like a big thing like and so if I had so much agency taken away and it was so great to start dating and take all of that agency back those were yeah. well it was you know hard to like have that like awful breakup and also be in that awful relationship like after I got out of it like it was a very like and honestly like I that breakup happened and I met my husband six months later that was a very liberating six months that was a very good six months for me and I look back on it with fondness because it was when I feel like I finally grew up and I finally allowed myself to have something good rather than like force myself to have something that I thought I needed, like, or in a way that I thought it needed to happen. So, yeah. yeah. That's just, that's, and that's, um, I forgot the point because your, your love story is just so great. When did he, when did he know that, he, that you were the one? Did, oh, he what? told me, he told me it was that night, but he also was uh very terrified because he had also been in kind of a toxic relationship, not with God, but with uh, another person for many years, like starting when he was uh, a teenager and then not ending until he was like in his early 20s. And it was just a very like immature relationship yeah. that like really took a toll on him because it isolated him in a lot yeah. of the similar ways to how evangelicalism isolated me. Yeah. And like, and so we had sort of this, like, we, we had a lot of things that felt kindred, but that felt kindred. And yeah. I think he got very afraid that if he got into another relationship, that it was going to be just as isolating as that one, that that's what relationships were. They were isolating. And it took him a while to realize like, oh, wait a second, like, this isn't the end of my life. This is the beginning of it. And also realizing that I didn't want, I didn't have, I had zero uh, desire to isolate him because I didn't want to be isolated. I loved my freedom. And when I left evangelicalism, I was finally free. Like, and like, once you realize, oh, wait a second, this person is not like who I was with before in any way, shape, or form. Not and probably not, li- and probably not like a lot of the other dates that he went on too. Yeah. And you know, it's the, you guys vibed each other and went, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. And also I did have this, like, again, like in a way, like in some ways being an evangelical, like put me really far behind, I think from an emotional development standpoint, but mm. once I left it, it was like, I like, yeah. it was almost sort of like a slingshot. Like it's like yeah. I had been held back for all of these years. And then I just went like, you know, and just, right all of a sudden my development just like skyrocketed like from an emotional standpoint like and did yeah, you like, did you go to therapy what is was oh, that did that help when did you go to therapy was it before you left the evangelicals or was it after so i was going to therapy while i was an evangelical with evangelical therapists because that's okay. the other thing evangelicalism doesn't want you to go to secular right. therapists. secular right. therapists are very dangerous according yeah. to them so I was going to therapy at on um, this big giant like church in in Manhattan. They had like all of these offices. It was called Redeemer Presbyterian. Um, a pastor named K- Tim Keller. That team uh, doesn't sound cool. Not a cool team. <laughs> Very. You want to have a brainwash you? <laughs> Tim Keller is like an evangelical Yoda, and everybody's like, oh my yeah. god, he's 
well, he he twists words around in cool ways. He's so wise, like, and he's not like. So what? So no. what gets you into a therapist that's not evangelical? So leaving leaving okay. evangelicalism was when I was like, I've been I've been with evangelical therapists for the past like at that point it had been like three or four years. Yeah. Like the past and the the last two years in evangelicalism was really the time that I was starting to come out of it, but not admitting it to myself until mm. the very end. Like that was when like the the ball started tumbling down the hill for me. Do you think the and, therapy with the evangelicals, even though it was skewed, do you think that actually helped you to open up your mind to think? more in a critical way i think it's hard to say like i think that it it was always trying to point me more towards jesus and more towards the bible and more towards like books about jesus and the bible but what it did do was it like sort of like made me feel like it it gave me like you know it it was the beginning of me beginning to process my emotional trauma Mm -hmm. yeah but it was just like it was just pointing it towards the wrong stuff like it was like the antidote was like you know stuff that was not the antidote the the antidote for the toxic things that had happened to me in my life was like more toxicity like and that wasn't like helpful but it was the first it was the beginning of me talking about it and sort of like gaining some confidence in myself because like all my therapists seemed to like me as a human being and I think that that Mm. helped (laughs) like feeling like therapists like um now this is your first book right this is my first book yeah so uh does does part of you feel gratitude because now that you've had this experience you got to write it down and you're an author yeah and and maybe and if you didn't have that experience maybe you wouldn't be an author a published author right now so i was i mean i went to the new school to get my degree in creative writing in in Mm -hmm. fiction actually and Mm -hmm. i actually tried to write this story in fiction and then a lot of like sort of mentors were like this your your story is stranger than fiction you don't need to write a fiction book like you should write it like a memoir and so i think maybe i would have like had like some other like fiction or something published but I don't know. Like, honestly, I think I'm a better writer for this experience, like for the fact that like I went through this and I I've come out the other end, I think like so much more like emotionally evolved and able to talk about some really difficult things like this yeah. book is full of hard things. Like it's like, did you feel it was part of it? Like really? I mean, did it feel like, oh my God, I can't, this can't get out to the public as you were writing some of the scenes where it did it, did it feel cringeworthy to you? Were you just like, uh, oh my God, there's too much shame in this. That yeah, chapter yeah. will never make it in. And then it turns out to be the best chapter for everybody yeah yeah there was definitely some stuff that was it isn't like again you want to talk about embarrassment like it's very embarrassing to admit that you were in a fundamentalist faith yes all these years because people look at you and they say like oh wow how weak-minded must you have exactly into this like especially if you weren't born into it they're like oh to buy into it and I'm always screaming from the rooftops. It's not about being weak. It's about being vulnerable. And we're all more vulnerable than we realize. So like, watch your own back, ladies and gentlemen. Like, you know, it's like. And not only that, we're resilient because it takes so much resilience to get out of a belief system. People yeah. people do not understand the fight, the mm-hmm. internal fight that it takes. And that's, um, yeah. that's uh, yeah. And it's, and it, the susceptibility people just, uh, it's just like, they they think it's a oh those fun those funny people and it's just like no those those people are individuals those people are it's there that you know it's just like it is i don't know what what do you think about jesus now i mean do you think do you think there was a jesus on earth well maybe there may have been somebody but 
Oh, yeah, I, that's what I think too. It's just like, yeah. but but no one who was actually came down from God. Kind of no, thing. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and and also in in a lot of ways, like I think that like even think like the idea of God and the idea of a monotheistic God and like a faith system like that. I spent so many years of my life with that mattering so much to me. It was like the, it was the most important question. Like, is there a God? And like, you know, yeah. what do we think of us and how do we get to be with him? And how do we go to heaven after we die? Well, those ideas, th- those questions were so important for so many years of my life that now it's really freeing to have them not be important at all. Like, to me, it'd be it's like, just, oh, it's a question we don't have the answer to. Yeah. And I'm okay. Not having the answer yeah. to it. Cause it, I thought, I had the answer and I, I really thought I did for so long and it ended up like thinking that I had that answer within this faith system like destroyed me as a person and again too high of a price to pay to like pretend that I know the answer to feel like I know the answer and I'm much more comfortable now with it being a nebulous thing like yeah. because now like you know bad things happen and there's nothing to attribute it to other than chaos like the chaos that we live right. in yeah, and then this, and then that's all storytelling because it's like, what are the stories that we tell ourselves to figure out this chaos called existence? And yes. then there's the mythology of what was brought in with the Bible, and there's the mythology of what's brought in with the Quran, and there's the mytho, you know, and then there's yeah. people who are staunch atheists, and I'm like, you got more faith than some Jesus people I it, know. Come on, yeah. you, you have so people- much faith that there's not a God. It's freaking me out. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Like, yeah, no, I don't like. Like I have no, again, like I'm definitely not an atheist. I'm, I'm more agnostic than anything. Yeah, yeah. Time. Like, but I do like, again, like admire lots of atheists. Like, you know, and I, admire, uh, I also admire progressive Christians. Like I love yeah. like progressive Christians. Like I, I admire them so much. And I think that they're doing great things for the world. And, and some of those people are like, you know, just as agnostic as the next person, like, you know, but yeah. it's like the community aspect that's more important to them, or it's like whatever, whatever their faith says to them, like, I admire people like who have faith, but not in a fundamentalist way. I think it's great. And I'm, I support it, you know? Yeah. I mean, faith is a pretty sexy thing. There's something about faith where it's just like, faith is cool. I mean, even, I mean, we have, I had faith that you would show up today. You know, it's just, (laughs) Uh we kind of have faith all around us. You have faith that you and your husband are going to stay together and raise Mm -hmm. your kids together. We are, we're, you know, we're experiencing faith all the time. And then it's just put to this uh, to this religious level, and it's just like, oh yeah. Then there's that too. But yeah, the, I feel like the word faith is really takes a lot of other things together. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very it's a very complex word, but also so does fundamentalism. Like yeah. ooh, there's so many little cults all around us. <laughs> oh yeah. When I sure. know we're involved in. <laughs> like, yeah, you exactly. know, we're all buying into something. We're all buying into some thought process. So like. Yeah. You know, who's to say you can't buy into this one, you know, so. Hey, hey, we can go on for another hour um, with that one. With that, right? <laughs> Fascinating. And yeah. Yeah. Beth, thank you for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. We've split the wood and stoked the fires 
Stepping teetotalitarianists, the tipsy, the reeling, and the drop down pissed. We got no time for that stuff here. Zero crime and no fear. And we've bred all our kittens 
white so that you can see them in the night. And at night we're on our knees, as quiet as a mouse, since the word got out. From the north down to the south, for no one's left in doubt. There's no fear about if we all hold hands and very quietly shout. Hallelujah. God is in the house. God is in the house. So、oh, I wish He would come out. God is in the house. Gloria Bathamadio on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book, God's Ex-Girlfriend. A memoir about loving and leaving the evangelical Jesus. Next week on the show, we have Charlotte Maya. She's the author of Sushi Tuesdays, a memoir of love, loss, and family resilience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.